Welcome into the Chopped Guillotine Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Harris. We've got a lovely one-eyed guest with us today, Travis Jones. Travis, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. How are you, man? I'm doing real good. I'm really excited to get this first full episode recorded and off the ground. We've been meaning to do this and been talking about this for a real long time. So I'm glad that we've just got, you know, the opportunity, the time to get together, get this recorded and, you know, get the ball rolling. Honestly, just like every other college kid, just always talk about the podcast, but we're actually getting it going. We're actually getting it done. We're the 1% that does it. We back up our shit. We got to. We got to. All right. So... It's not news what we're here to do. We're here to talk about the Guillotine League, SIGEP specifically is what we'll be diving into, but really what this podcast focuses on is just Guillotine League in general, um, you know, different strategies, different things that happen in ours, how that can apply all the way across the board. So today what we're really doing is introducing that podcast and the structure of how the Guillotine League works. Um, It's something that you know, you can find it a lot of places, but really want to get it out there in the open so that, you know, you know what we're talking about and we don't just sound like a bunch of jackasses in front of microphones. So guillotine leagues are 18 man fantasy football leagues at the beginning of the year, but the lowest scoring team gets dropped from the league every week. So it's not based on head to head matchups. It's not based on anything of that sort all we're doing is looking at the entire league whoever has the lowest score at the end of week one week two week three they get cut once they get cut their players are going to hit the waiver wire so it's not you know you draft it you set it you're done and when those players are on the waiver wire you can acquire them not by the normal espn waiver all the way down system but you have a free agent bidding system it's called fab And with the fab that you have, you can bid on different people who got dropped, different people who just weren't drafted at all, and get them onto your team. This goes all the way through to week 17, where the final two teams face off to crown the true champion of the guillotine fantasy football league. It's really interesting stuff. I love playing in it all. Well, 17 of 18 of those guys all also love playing in it. Obviously, the guy that got cut first, he didn't have that great of a time. Travis, though, what were your first thoughts when I pitched the Guillotine podcast? Uh, it sounded pretty interesting. Um, whenever you pitched like the fantasy league to me, I was a little terrified because I've only been playing fantasy for a couple of years, and I I put a lot into it now. I like look into it a lot, but I was a little terrified that I was going to get dropped pretty quick and be pretty disappointed. <laughs> but um, I knew it was going to be pretty interesting because it's a really dynamic league every mm. week. There's just so much changing. Uh, guys hitting the waiver wire, like the blind bidding system, uh, right. players. You don't know who's bidding what. Um, me personally, I was sitting on, you know, I sitting at the bottom of the league every week, just scraping by. <laughs> uh, it's a little terrifying. But yeah, no, how, uh, I, I was definitely excited. You know, I I was really glad to hear a lot of the excitement that we got. You know, when I started talking about it with people, because like it does sound interesting, but it's pretty daunting. You know, especially because. It's like you said, you put in a lot of work to the team that you draft. You do some research for it, for sure. And, you know, you just don't want to be doing it for nothing and be like, well, spent a lot of time, spent like a two hour long draft. And there I go. I'm gone on week one. Just like uh, our good friend Grant went out week one. Uh, It was a tough situation for him. Poor Grant. Someone's got to go every week. 
It does. So, Joe, do you want to get us into this uh, season recap? Absolutely, I want to get us into this season recap. So, um, we just want to give all of our listeners a little idea of what happened last season. In case you weren't a part of the league, you need a little bit of catch-up. So, you've got the draft. The draft is how every every fantasy football league season starts. Uh, Travis, what was your experience in the draft? Draft was a little rough for me uh, starting out. Uh, so we didn't know what order we were picking in until about five minutes before the draft started. Mm-hmm. It was completely randomized. Um, I unfortunately got stuck with the 18th overall pick. Uh, so I was picking last. It was a snake draft, so I did get to pick back-to-back. But uh, usually by 18, your, your big heavy hitters are gone, mm-hmm. which is a little bit rough in the guillotine league when you're looking for some security, especially in those early weeks. Yeah, it's real tough. And, like, you, you could see that – throughout the season is like the teams that got dropped first were the teams that were, you know, picking towards the very back end of that draft. There were a couple of exceptions, you know, my, my son, John Brandle got dropped second and he was the second overall pick. So, you know, draft position isn't everything. Sometimes you're just uniquely bad. I think we were talking a little bit though, as the season went on, it kind of looked like the sweet spot to draft was like right around eight or nine. Though you're mm-hmm. still getting some top tier guys that, especially in the early weeks, can just completely save your week. Right. But uh, it's not like we're the one pick where you have to wait forever to pick again, or it's not the 18th pick where you're just not getting the, any heavy hitters to for really sure save you. So yeah, the the really nice thing about picking towards the middle rounds, from what I could tell, like when I asked people about that later on is, you know, whenever quarterbacks went on a run or whenever tight ends went on a run, like you could adapt and you could pick that. But, you know, if you're picking at one or if you're picking at 18 and there's 30, what, 34 other picks between yours, like there's going to be an entire run and you're just going to miss out on it if you don't get lucky. But if you've got the middle picks, you can be a lot more adaptive with your draft. Yeah, so those early and late picks, you kind of – you kind of just got to risk it on a couple guys. Like mm-hmm. You got to think, oh, man, are quarterbacks going to start going pretty soon? Do I, do I need to play this a little bit risky? Do I need to snag a quarterback? Um, you kind of got to get risky. You got to kind of set the trends whenever you're picking either in the, fr- the front end or back end. You got to be the one to set the trends. Otherwise, right. you're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. But big risk, but it can pay off pretty well. Yeah, making making the sort of forcing moves, you know, is what what you got to try to do there. That's what I tried to do at least to the best of my ability, went on picking as many wide receivers as I could, got the early quarterback, didn't regret it. And so we'll, yeah, we'll get into my draft for just a little bit. So it was random, I promise. I hit the randomized button. Jack McGrath saw me do it. And I had the first overall pick. Don't, I heard enough. I don't want to hear it was rigged it was not rigged it couldn't have possibly been rigged because travis got the last pick. yeah it, i don't think he would have had me pick i last. wouldn't do travis like that there's some bias going on there it for sure i wouldn't have been picking 18 right but you know first pick went with went with christian mccaffrey and then i don't think i touched running back for a very long time after that i think i at i think at 18 i was taking I think I might have taken CD at 18 there. Mm-hmm. And then I think I went is is CD and Aaron Jones over my first two picks. Yeah. Two good picks. I, I don't know two. which one of them came first. It technically doesn't matter because I I picked back to back for the entire draft. So I'd always pick two guys in a row. Exactly. So yeah, no, um but I was happy with Aaron Jones and uh C D. They both kept me 
kept me going for quite a while there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What uh what do you think was your best pick? My best pick, I honestly I got Olave on a steal. I yeah. got Olave late. Way late. I'm not a guy that scouts rookies uh super heavily by any means. I uh I, I mean I watch some college football if I'm not looking too heavily into it, but it's kinda had that good gut feeling about Olave mm-hmm. some other guys I guess were just letting fall. I think they were scared that uh about who's going to be throwing the football? Yeah, for sure. Down there in New Orleans, you know, if James throws a pick, then that's yeah, Olave's that's a whole drive that you don't get for Olave. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I was you know I was a little concerned there for a couple weeks with Olave though, just because uh, he's getting killed every week. You know, it's getting slaughtered out there in the field. Oh Guys yeah, hitting, hitting him like a truck, going for the head, giving me heart attacks every week. But he always got <laughs> back up, so kind of kept me alive good for him. There. What about the worst pick? What you got for it? Oh, I don't. I took AJ Dillon decently early. Yeah, like not like crazy, crazy early. I don't. I had a pretty solid draft, but AJ Dillon was decently early. He just he started out kind of strong, mm-hmm. which was good for me week one and like week two. But then he had a long stretch there where he just did right. everything. I ended up cutting him by yeah. like week nine or ten or something because he just hadn't done anything for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. You week one, I know that he was your your RB two. Yeah, he was. Him and uh, Aaron Jones were a one two punch for me. Kinda for sure, worked, kind of worked out though. How about you? How how do you feel about it? I mean. About what? About your, your draft, one-two your punch? Draft, oh, I mean. for sure. I mean, I think that the best pick, I think there's two candidates for my best pick. It's either Jalen Hurts. I got him in, that was my sixth draft pick, so I had almost filled out my whole starting roster before I had Hurts. And um, Jalen Hurts was the only guy who stayed on my team all year from the guys who I drafted. And I was in it at the very end, arguably the champion. We'll get into that later. Um Another guy who I think like takes a good spot for best pick is the very last pick in my draft. I got Jeff Wilson Jr., who was the ultimate trade piece multiple times, the kiss of death to anyone who I sent him to. He was cursed, man. It was glorious. And like the 17th round, Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, no, that was a curse. Uh, No, we'll get into that. Yeah, started that man week two. Um, Who do you think was your worst pick? Michael Thomas. Oh yeah, yeah, no question. That no was question. there. There were so many guys who I could have taken with the Michael Thomas pick that would have been so good for me. Like I, I knew I needed receivers. He was my. He was the third receiver that I ended up taking. It could have been Olave. It could have been you know a Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. It could have been a lot of dudes like that. But you know I, I skimped on it. It could have been a running back. You know my my running back. I had. Christian McCaffrey with my first overall pick, but I didn't take another running back until like my ninth, the ninth round. Yeah, you were late on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something, one of the big draft strategies that I feel like really worked for people too, is when you look at who was still left, you know, when there were six or when there were eight teams left, it wasn't the guys who were like, I'm going to use my first three picks on three wide receivers mm-hmm. or three running backs, you know, RIP Jack Shimanek. Yeah, yeah. He was struggling with both <laughs> positions, man. Yeah. But it was the guys who were like, I'm going to get a top running back, I'm going to get a top receiver, and I'm going to just kind of fill with, you know, whatever I really feel like. But you don't have to worry about position scarcity as much because there's an entire team that gets cut every week. Yep. You know, as long as it's not you, you can fill in that RB2, that wide receiver two, or your tight end spot kind of easily. 
Who do you think was the worst overall pick in the draft by anybody? Ooh, I know I have my answer. The worst overall pick in the draft. So Sawyer Jackson took TJ Hawkinson embarrassingly early. And that that's the one that sticks out to me. That was the 54th overall pick. He could have had Jalen Hurts. He could have had every rookie wide receiver, including Garrett Wilson. I'm pretty sure that that Ken Walker was yeah Ken oh yeah Ken was still definitely Ken on the board for late. that and so yeah fifty um, fourth overall for a guy who ended the season really well but he started the season on the Lions and that's not a great look for you I uh the one that jumps out to me is Grant Green taking J.K. Dobbins as early as he did oh that's right he, he was he made it up making it pretty far in the league but mm-hmm. he was cutting it close in the early weeks he was that would have been uh, he didn't have a starting running back let's see. the first week. Yeah, he he drafted his first four picks were all not running backs. I don't know if they were all questionable, but they were they weren't great. The yeah. Devontae Adams pick, you oh. can't miss with Devontae yeah, Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, but yeah. I just meant like there a lot of these guys weren't set they weren't even sure if they were gonna be playing mm-hmm. And you he scraped by in the first couple weeks and then he ended up hitting a hot streak and it paid off for, for sure. But. I mean that that's something though that goes into the the early season is that you know you've got 18 teams so that's 36 starting running back spots and there's only 32 NFL teams. That's You're not like, going to get a bunch of starting running backs to fill these slots. So if you if you don't get one early, you're you're going to suffer from it, you know, and he was lucky to have made it out of there. It was it didn't he didn't make it out of there cheap. He had to spend quite a bit to get some running backs later on down the road. But one pick that ended up hurting me kind of was uh, I took Godwin decently early on. And mm-hmm. It was just the first part of the year. He I ended up, I ended up trading him away at a certain point, but because he, he just wasn't playing. Yeah, you traded him to me. I did trade him to you. And he just wasn't, <laughs> well, he wasn't on the field. And I needed some guys who's getting later in the season. I was no for sure on by a thread. Yeah, that was. I mean. Honestly, on average, I was one of the lowest scoring teams in the league, but I just kept scraping by every week. So, tell, the, tell the audience for us how many weeks were you second to last in scoring? Uh, I couldn't tell you second to last in scoring. I can tell you for the entire time that I was in. Keep in mind, I think I finished fifth or sixth in the league. Um, you were the. I think you were sixth. I think okay, so sixth. Yeah, so was you were sixth. Thirty third percentile in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished in the bottom four. Every week, except for one week. Wow. I was either second to last, third to last, or fourth to last. Every week, except for one week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually it, it caught up to me. Right. Um, I was just always holding on by a thread. Uh, I was dealing with a lot of injuries all year. It was amazing. Um, I was working way wire pretty heavily, uh, working trades doing what I could. Just had kept having guys go down. Um, Aaron Jones kept being questionable. That was a, <laughs> that was a nightmare. That was terrifying. That man lived with the big red Q next to his I, name. At a certain point, I just had to keep playing him. I mean, he kept having being questionable. He kept game time decision. Then he kept playing. He gave me fourteen points. And mm-hmm. I was like, I I gotta rock with him. I mean, I I can't not stick with him if for he's sure. Keep playing. So yeah, it was certainly impressive. So moving on. From the draft, we've got um, some of the midseason moves, some trades is what we're going to look at here. So we've pulled a few of the best trades, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you can use these, you know, these best trades to sort of 
influence trades later down the line and some of the worst trades where we can talk about how you can do the same. So the first of the best trades, which was in its time considered a terrible trade. It was a, it was a hot take at the time. It was Jack McGrath. This, this trade saved his whole season because if he hadn't have made this trade, he would have been eliminated this very week. So he sent, this is late in the year, by the way. So depth is much less of a problem. It's going to sound a little crazy. So he sends Austin Eckler to me, but he acquires Amon Ross St. Brown, Dalvin Cook, Mike Evans, Zay Jones, and Alvin Kamara. He acquires five dudes, two of which are bona fide starting running backs and a great wide receiver for just Austin Eckler. But here's the thing. Zay Jones was the one that kept saving him after he traded him. He had like three straight weeks where he went off for like 20. And oh, yeah. Everyone was going off on Jack they, for like, why are you starting Zay Jones? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah, and Jack, then he kept going crazy. Jack knew something we didn't. I don't know. I, I added Zay Jones on a complete whim, and that ended up being what got this trade pushed through. And, you know, I, I was very happy to have acquired Austin Eckler, but, I mean, this is a very good example of getting a haul for your star player when you're down because Jack at this point had five fab to his name. He had no ability to get more star players. There were eight or nine people left in this league. I think it was eight. I think there were I eight think dudes eight left. left. Yep, that sounds right. And he sends off his clear best player, the guy who has been saving him week in and week out, because that was the only way he could get mobility. You know, you've got nine starting spots on this roster. This is a three wide receiver, one flex league. Nine starting spots, you've got to be able to fill. And, you know, one dude is not going to routinely save you. You need lots of bodies to fill those spots. I can't disagree with you there. I was a I was a big critique of the trade. I was I was being real critical of it, but ended up working out. Mm-hmm. He did. I mean, I I just didn't see the Zay Jones one's the one that concerned me, but it ended up working out. Yeah. I mean, if Zay Jones didn't do what he did those couple of weeks, Jack would have gone out. But For it sure. worked out. I mean, sometimes he's got to roll the dice on it a little bit, and that's not the way I would have rolled them, but it worked out. And hey, I mean. Jack made it further than I did. So. For sure. You know, sort of sort of conversely, though, there's a lot of other good trades that involve, like, trading away loads of depth because you need to get that star player. That's the second trade that we want to highlight right now is I sent six players in order to acquire Travis Kelsey. So it was Mark Andrews, who was, at the time, clearly the second best tight end in the league. I sent Isaiah Likely as well because at the time it was a little questionable about whether Mark Andrews was going to be playing or not. So Isaiah Likely, the backup, he's really good. If he had filled in, he would have been great. Andrews ended up playing. Kyler Murray, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, and A.J. Dillon, who I picked up off the waiver wire for free. Thank you, Travis. He wasn't doing anything for me. (laughs) No, he wasn't. But this is another way that you really need to be looking out for making your team better is when you've got a position that you want to upgrade and you've got depth that you don't necessarily need. You've got to play week by week. And when you've got good dudes on your bench and you look around the league and you see guys with bad dudes in the starting lineup, there's got to be a trade. Like there's no excuse to not trade because you've got to get value on them for this week. Because if you don't and you have lots of 
nice players on your bench, but no great players in your starting lineup, you could get cut. And honestly, I think names go a long way too. Kyler, uh, Kyler had been questionable some hamstring injuries by the time this trade was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Dillon hadn't been doing anything really. No, but it's just and Marching Andrews was doing a little bit of injury, like he had been going off early in the season, but he had some injury. Um, I mean, Jerry Judy, not Jerry, yeah, Jerry Judy, um, was like he's a good, good player, but I mean, he's on the Broncos who scoring fifteen <laughs> points a game. I mean. It, it was just, I think those names went a long way, for straight, sure. to be honest. Yeah. So and I, th- I think I also threw in a little bit of fab to yeah, to make it go through, if I remember right. I think it was 25. You just can't undervalue that, uh, those, the, the value of the name. Right. So honestly, I think that's a big thing that helped push through. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, maybe if, maybe if Zay Jones had a different name, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't have been so critical of that trade. What do you think, Trev? I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just Zay Jones is one of those big names in the league. I mean, it's just not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you think of Kyler, like everyone knows. Like obviously, people know who Zay Jones is, but like you know, Kyler's a solid starting quarterback for I mean, sure. Jerry Judy was a first round wide receiver. Yeah. Mark Andrews. I mean, everyone knows he. Everyone knows he's Mark. The second best tight end in the league. I yeah. Mean, people know AJ Dillon can go off sometimes, so I just think kind of got to know those names pretty well Mm -hmm. you got to know those names you got to get them on your bench you know whenever it's cheap or free aj Dillon was free and you know look for the guys who have the holes because if they are paying any attention to the league they know that you can't go into a week with a hole on your roster because that'll be what kills you oh yeah one week and you're one week and you're done Mm -hmm. can't be too careful yeah sort of going off of that is another sort of trade that I tried to swing a lot more throughout the year, and I was basically told most of the time to to go kick rocks. But it's the it's the idea of the lifeline trade. All right, and this comes like part of the way through the week, like part of the way through the day on Sunday when it's like, wow, you're you know your twelve o'clock players really flopped. Let's make something happen so you can get a big name in your starting lineup and hope that they can go off for you. So what I did on the week that unfortunately our good friend, Alex Boren was removed from the league. I sent him Tyree kill in exchange for Jalen Waddle, Deandre Hopkins and uh, his 22 remaining fab. And I want to say real quick, you start out the league with 500. You do. That we did. We did. So um, 22 late in the season is a lot. It is. A lot. Um, Early in the year, it's nothing. Early in the year, it's, yeah. I mean, there were absolute bums getting added for, like, 50 fab after week one. It was ridiculous. The, the what would it be, deinflation was crazy? The deflation was deflation, insane. Deinflation, that deflation Close was enough. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the idea of this, though, was that he had Jalen Waddle in his starting lineup, and he was like, I need to boost myself any way I can because I am on the chopping block, right? And so he gave up what was probably way too much. Like, in a vacuum, that's way too much to get Tyree Kill at that stage in the game. But, like, when your back's against the wall, you know, that that's what you got to do. And that's what more people need to look out for. I had a lot of trade offers that, like, were sitting there that would have been able to keep people alive for another week. You know, I had one on Ryan Loomer. I had one on Alex Rudolph, just a couple of dudes who told me, like, nah, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. 
and they were not fine. Did not work. It does not work if you know you said it. I mean, if you're looking like you're gonna go out, mm-hmm. the the there is no price that's too high right. to go get make a guy the that move. Might save you. Make the move. You can always you can always deal with next week. Like just you got to take it a week at a time. Yeah. Uh, you know you can try to plan ahead, but uh, honestly, a lot of the guys that were trying to plan too far ahead or get planning a little too risky, mm-hmm. they they were going out. Yeah. I mean, if you only like got twenty percent odds to you know make it through the week, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna sit this week out. Next week, you know, it might work out. Don't. Nah, don't do it. Don't do it. And of course, I would be remiss if, when talking about the best trades in this league, I didn't talk about the certified trade of the century, in which me and AB made a deal. Um, the players that got swapped don't matter a whole ton. I sent four dudes, got two back, including um, Stefan Diggs, but I also got. Juju Smith Schuster. And you see Alex Bourne, his team name was Bad Juju. And he was like, Joe, I can't possibly make this deal with you because I'm named after this player. And I was like, Alex, it's gotta happen. It's good for both of us, and you agree. And like he he did agree. It was good for both of us. And so what we did is we made a little a nice little stipulation to this trade. And possibly for the first time in the history of fantasy football. In addition to the players that we traded, we also traded team names. And so I became Bad Juju. He became Durable Running Backs. And, you know, he he made it very apparent that he wanted whoever had Juju to be named Bad Juju. So later on in the year, when I traded Juju Smith-Schuster to Travis... I was, in fact, named Bad Juju. Yeah, it had to happen. But it's stuff like that that I think really makes this league the most fun is all of the mobility and trading of players and reacquisitions. Like no team is ever the same week after week. And if they are, they're probably going to be pretty close to cut. That's what makes it so fun is that everyone, you know, everyone's working the waiver wire. Everyone's making trades constantly. I mean, there were, I mean, there was at least one big trade a week, but I mean, there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was like probably five to six trades every week that like catch your attention. I was right. making trades every week. Joe's making trades every week. Like we made it far as the guys that were like trying to make some moves that were uh that were going places in this not going places I mean, it's a fantasy football league but like, make, <laughs> making it somewhere in the league I mean it's the guys that were really just trying to work it and just make smart moves the guys that were like oh I'm just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sit with my guys and work with my guys like they're the ones that were they're the ones going out mm-hmm. yeah to to put that into perspective the the teams that made moves are the teams that stayed up. So I'm, I'm looking at our league transaction counter right now. I made 29 trades over the course of that season. Travis made 11 trades over the course of the season. Alex made eight. Like, it's the dudes that are making moves are the dudes that are still up at the end. And all of us finished, I mean, top six. Top six. Because I think Alex was fourth in the league or fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sixth. Uh, you were first. Um, so yeah, like the guys that were making some trades were making it further. Right. Um, and the guys were just kind of stagnant sitting on the teams with guys that just, they're going out kind of early. Yeah. So moral of the story, if you're going to be in the league and if you want to be good in the league, make moves. Yeah. It's more fun that way. And you're going to have fun. I promise. I don't know if that tells you like how many guys that you're picking on up and off waiver wire all the time. Or not. Oh, it does. But I mean, you're going to be a crazy high number. I'm going to be up there. Yeah. Travis had... Uh, 68 
waiver wire acquisitions. I had 166 waiver wire acquisitions. Were you one? I was two. Yeah. 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 I dropped 141 players also. Yeah. You just, you got it. The waiver wire is a great place to just make some moves. Like, Joe mm-hmm. Summer, I got AJ Dillon off the waiver wire. Right. Um, he got free. I mean, yeah. Small so, upgrades, just little increments. It happens. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the waiver wire here in just a sec. But, yeah. Gonna stick to the trades. Gonna get to the worst trades in the league. There were several of them. Some of them were just bad. All right, Noah Voss, I'm talking specifically to you right now, Noah. I hope you listen, because you deserve to be called out. You deserve to be a guest on this podcast for this trade. It's a pretty bad one. He sent Kenneth Walker in exchange for Jeff Wilson and 20 Fab. This was week four. Every, there were several people who still had all 500 of their fab dollars. He was the only person in the league to be eliminated with over 500 fab in their budget, which is incredible. It's, just, it's gone. It's poof. It's right. Like no one gets no one gets access to that fab anymore. Yeah, you. If you go out with fab, you're you didn't try hard enough. You, didn't you try can hard enough. you can send some of that to someone to get a Monday night player. To try to go for that Hail Mary. He chose not to. He chose to die. With, On this hill. Yeah. And it worked. He died. He died immediately because he he sent Kenneth Walker. He acquired Jeff Wilson, who scored 1.9 points the following week. Oh, and Jeff that was Wilson. the dagger. Um, obviously, if Kenneth Walker had remained on his team and scored his 15.8 points from that week, uh, Noah would have been fine. So. Oh yeah, and like guys are going out by a margin of like two points left. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it was close. I think there were close. there were like two weeks ever where it was just like okay, we don't have to watch the Monday night game. We don't have to pay attention Sunday night. Like we know this dude's going out, which is incredible. You know, it makes it makes every game, especially those late games, a lot more fun to watch. And I think you're a little bit off on your week counter there. I think it is the week. I think talking about week six and Jeff Wilson at zero point five. I gotta pull it up here. Week six. He had zero point five. He had bad string games there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was never first. Whenever Christian McCaffrey first. Yeah. It, well, like he had a bad game. Christian McCaffrey went to the Niners. Then he had two games during ten points, and he had a couple nice games. Right. The Dolphins, and then he fell off again. Yeah. Jeff Wilson was a curse this year. Jeff Wilson was a curse. He was great on my team. I started him a few times. He got me the points I needed, but but the second I traded that man, fell off a cliff. So um, advice to all of you. Just don't acquire Jeff Wilson. If Wilson. anyone offers you Jeff Wilson, reject He's terrifying. it. Reject it so fast. He's terrifying. It's a curse. It's a curse. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what stops people from trying to make trades, though, is these worst trades you know, and it's like, you don't want to end up on this list. Oh, I ended yeah. up on this list twice. I made two, I really made three bad moves because you could argue that the Austin Eckler move ended up being bad for me in the end, but... We'll come back to that. That's, right. a, that's, that's a little questionable. We'll, but, we'll come back to it. But at the same time, I made good moves too. You know, you, you can't be afraid of making the bad moves as long as you trust yourself to make more good moves than you make bad moves, then just make as many as you can. You know? I completely agree. I mean, I had some bad moves. I don't think I made the list, but I definitely had some questionable moves throughout there. I did trade for Juju at one point and ended up hurting me pretty bad. Mm. Um, 
you know, we're Chiefs fans. I add a little bit of bias to it, maybe, you know. But, you know, I was also hurt for wide receiver. Juju had a couple good weeks for his concussion. I was like, you know, maybe he's getting getting the ball rolling here. Maybe he's kind of getting used to the offense. And took a risk, didn't work out. But, mm-hmm. hey, it's all right. I mean, happens to all I made it pretty far. Yeah. Um, something I really want to highlight is uh, this second trade on the docket where I sent Rashad Penny in 200 fab to get an injured DeAndre Swift. Now, this was right after Najee Harris was acquired for 275 fab. So, like, I thought I thought I was getting a good deal, but a lot of what you start to notice when you start looking at the trades is when you move big numbers in fab, you tend to be the losing party. And the reason that that happens is because you're basing everything off of what was most recently purchased. Like the players that went on last week's waiver wire went for this amount of money. And now we're going to base this deal off of that amount of money. But the fab that you're sending and acquiring is not, it's not being spent on this week's waiver wire. It's being spent on next week's and the week after that and the week after that. And so if you send a ton of your fab, if you had just waited one week, you know, you could have sent, what, probably 15% less of that fab? Oh, more, honestly. Right. I mean, especially if you're, I think you know, it's. I think it's more worth to kind of bid on some guy. Like some, I think earlier on, whenever there's a lot of fab, I think it's more worth it to spend a little bit on some mid-tier guys. Honestly, I don't think you should go after the heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some big bids later on, but uh, I don't think it's worth it. Um Try to go get some decent, half decent guys for decently cheap early right. on. Hold on to that fab unless you're in a bad situation. If you're in a bad situation, you know you got to spend. But I think fab had more value than anything than else. Yeah, yeah, fab was worth more than players mm-hmm. because those players might be hitting the wire again next week, and you can get them for e- even cheaper. Yeah, I was I was going to bring this up a little later in the show, but I don't know if you remember Travis, but week two. I sent you Nico Collins for five fab, just five. Yep. I spent five fab total to acquire Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, and Tyreek Hill in the final week of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the last six weeks, 20 fab was – you were rich. Yeah. Oh, you, you, could, you, could go get, you could go get a roster of 20 fab. Oh, yeah. I got, I got Justin Jefferson for, like, 21. Yeah. It's crazy, but like you know, we'll get some bids later. Actually, we'll circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind for sure. Uh, as you're still listening here, yeah. And then another the this type of trade is almost always going to look bad when you're doing a one for one player. There's going to be a clear winner and a clear loser, and you just don't want that. You know, you want trades where both parties benefit. I sent Christian McCaffrey to acquire Cooper Cup. There's a little bit of fluff going on in the deal too, but at the end of the day, that's what everyone remembers, you know, and if, you know, two weeks later, Cooper cup gets injured naturally, and there's a clear loser of the trade. So, but you can't, I don't know if you call it bad trade. You can't predict Cooper cup get hurt. Like you can't, you can't say, well, I know Cooper cup's going to get hurt. So I'm not going to trade. You can't, but you can just say one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And unless you feel very, very convicted that you're going to win that trade. You probably, I, I don't think that you should 
one for one. Like one for one's always you look back on and someone got screwed. If it's so a big, just don't do it. when it comes to the big names, yeah, I agree. You can risk it with some smaller name guys, but sure. I mean, Chris McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, two of the biggest names in fantasy football. Right. All it right. Was, I say we circle back into some some of these some of those bidding now. Though. Some of the bids. All right. You want to start with the best, or do you want to start with the worst? Uh I think honestly, we pretty much know what the best bids are. Yeah, we can knock we those just out. Know that quick. like. If you can't, if you can afford to do so, because you're not sitting on sitting on the chopping block at the end of the week or something, hold on to your fab because everyone's mm-hmm. going to be cheap later on. Or spend it on a player who just got dropped, who is on a bye week. Yes, I made my roster by doing that because, like, you can you can get them for so much cheaper. Half the league isn't looking at those guys because they're looking at who's who am I going to be able to start this coming week? As they should, as they I, should. Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily a bid, but you kind of, I mean, if you can afford to do so, look out for some guys that are going to be starting the season late on a bye week. I got D Hop late in the draft because I had my roster filled, mm-hmm. and then he came back and he kept me alive for a couple more weeks. Yeah. Um, so it kind of worked out for me, but I think the, I think the worst bids are where it's, it gets pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, um, so this, this is something that we sort of picked up on a trend. The people who went, all in on a big name player early are the people who got eliminated. And I don't really know if that's because they were forced to go all in because their team sucked and because their team sucked, they got eliminated early. Or if that's because you kind of hamstring yourself when you spend over half of your budget on Najee Harris after week one. Yeah. Najee Harris going for 276 was a, uh, who, who, who did that? That one was Sawyer. Sawyer yeah. Jackson followed up his spectacularly underwhelming draft with a spectacularly poor acquisition. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I don't think anybody's worth more than half your budget. No, like I don't think anybody is. I mean, Justin Jefferson was the what you want to. Yeah, I wouldn't have spent two seventy six on Justin Jefferson week one because you know what guys have bad weeks sometimes. You never know who's gonna the waiver wire week six, week seven. And you might get Justin Jefferson for. 120 maybe I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pay 120 for Justin Jefferson yeah if I still have my fa- if I still have my budget right I, I think it should I think you should really just look at it as like a percentage of your remaining fab instead of yeah. a percentage of your starting fab because yeah. you make your acquisitions yeah over half and you're just you're, mm-hmm. you're just gonna be done for the rest of the year right you know it's it's really hard to make your overall team better because you know, the only way you can get new players is through trades. And those trades, on average, they're just going to be trading equal value for equal value. Yep. Um, another one to note, Travis Kelsey going for 326 fab. Two-thirds, basically, yep. of the entire budget. Ryan Loomer, what were you thinking, my guy? That was a bad move. Um I mean, Travis Kelsey, he's worth a lot. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, you could make an argument for um, him being the most valuable player in fantasy football yeah. just because of the positional value mixed with the fact that he is dropping you, you know, 18 to 20 points. Should a maybe be the first overall pick. Yeah, but, I mean, you can talk about that, but 326 packs is not going to be worth it. And, and I think the lesson to take from this one is that you should never listen to how much someone says they're bidding on someone. He bid 326 
because someone else in the league said they were going to bid 325. I think the second highest bid was the second highest bid was 216. Yeah, it's no spent. You went over by more than 20% of your budget because not because Travis Kelsey's not worth a crazy amount of that. He is, but because you listened to someone who has a big incentive to lie. Yeah. Don't do that. There's no rules against lying. Don't do that. Yeah. And another, it's not on the docket. Sorry, Travis, but I just it is. Well, I'll, we, we can discuss the. I'll I'll not crucify that myself. About not that one. It. Oh, what do you got? I got. I just popped into my head the Justin Jefferson acquisition that Goose made. Oh yeah. So this was about halfway through, and our friend Josh, Josh Ragusa, had not spent any of his money like he was sitting pretty at 500 fab literally nine weeks in it was incredible he had a really really good draft jamar chase was his first pick his second pick was saquon barkley he was the geno smith the lucky geno smith no, he owner had Tua. he had Tua also but he yeah, had geno smith both. too That's right it was i i don't know how he did it he had far and away the best draft that i have ever seen in a fantasy football league but and because of that, he was he had a lot of fat. And when he saw Justin Jefferson, he was like, I've got to have him. And so he bid that 250 because he, for whatever reason, thought he needed to completely outbid everyone else. And so he looked, and it was like, someone's got 249 fat. They're the second highest. I bid 250. I win. You can't. I, I don't think that that is ever going to be really successful because how many times did we see someone spend the entire remainder of their budget? On one guy. On one guy. And it just didn't work out. No, it, it never happens. There was right, there was one guy who did that once, and it was when he was like, he was clearly on the outs. But, you know, the people who he was looking at of like, this guy's got a lot of fab left. He might outbid me for Justin Jefferson. No, he's not. No. Because he's fine. That guy has a ton of fab because he's saved it because he hasn't needed to spend it. He's not going to spend everything he's got left on one dude. Yep. Now, I did have one questionable uh, waiver wire pickup. Mm -hmm. The guy was not worth how much I spent on him, but I would have gone out without him. So I bid one week. It was earlier on. I bid probably, I think it was about around 160 on Clyde. Glad Edwards Elaire. Um now, is he worth anywhere near 160? No. But he was having some good weeks. And I uh, it was early on and I was mm-hmm. I was looking like I was gonna go out. Um, dude was that, a touchdown machine early though. Oh yeah, he had like six touchdowns in his like the first four games of the season. Yeah. And I was gonna go out and I uh so I bid heavy on Clyde, I needed a running back bad. Mm-hmm. Um I bet on him, he saved me. It kinda it kinda bit me in the long run, but to be fair, I wouldn't have had a long run if I didn't bid that much on You may him. not. I didn't I had to risk it. I didn't right. uh I mean I think the second highest bid was only like probably like ninety. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what the other guys were bidding. It was still early on, bids were high. I couldn't risk it. Um so I mean that's what I did. I risked it, worked out kind of. Uh, saving a short term would be long, but yeah. like I said, it wouldn't have been a long term if I didn't go. And so, 
We're going to end this out with just talking a couple of general strategies that we didn't really have the opportunity to touch on uh, throughout the trades, the acquisitions, and the draft and all that. Trav, you want to start us off with the first? Um, you know, the first one's pretty easy. I mean, it's, it's going to apply to just about any fantasy leagues. Have some general fantasy knowledge about who you think is going to be good this year. Keep track of who's on what team, um, who's playing what week, who, you know, is the RB1 of this team going to be out this week? Um, right. You know, who's like the RB2? I kind of got saved one week. Uh, I picked up Kenyon Drake whenever uh, J.K. Dobbins was out. Gus Edwards right. was also out. I think Kenyon had like 20 that week. That dude um, did save your buns. I dropped him immediately afterwards, but <laughs> I got him for free, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one. I mean, right. Grant, who went out week one, he uh, he wasn't paying attention to just some general NFL news. He mm. didn't realize that Matthew Stafford had a UCL injury. Right. And was going to somehow try to throw the football, and he went out week one because Stafford just wasn't, alarmed wasn't there. For sure. And, you know, not as much on the general side, but also – Know the specific rules, scoring, and roster settings of the league. There's a couple, in the league that we do, there's just a couple of little different things that go on. Fumbles are worth a little bit more negative points. Interceptions are worth more negative points. Um, You've got three wide receiver spots on your roster. That's something that two people during the draft just simply didn't check. And they picked way more running backs than they should have, and then they had to start, you know, Random bums on the Falcons. Um, we had kickers uh, for extra yardage worth a little more points. That was a big one, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had some guys, including myself, Tyler Bass, saved me one week. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Tyler Bass had like 16, 17 points. Kickers' lives matter. Kickers' lives matter. Yeah. Oh. So, and, watch your kicker. Right. Negative points for a missed extra point. I don't know why this is not a standard setting in ESPN leagues, but it should be. If your kicker can't make an extra point, you deserve to be hurt. Yeah. Oh, and honestly, I think it should be like mine too. I thought about it. Yeah. But I don't want someone to lose because of it. I don't know. I mean, it's something you got to think about. Like, we'll talk about it. There'll there'll be a rules change episode. I've got a couple of things that I want to float by some people. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've we've been over most of the you know. I think the last one is one of you. Yeah. The the big thing at the end, specifically for a guillotine league, this is very important. The player who chronologically plays latest needs to be in your flex. There's no excuse to do anything but that. It's a it's the most flexible spot on your roster. That's why it is called the flex. You should not hamstring yourself by putting an early player in there. I know that, like, you know, if you've got, oh, this is Austin Eckler. He's my RB1. Why would I put him in the flex? He's a running back. You know, like it's disrespectful or it doesn't look good. It does not matter. If he is playing on Monday night, you put that man in your flex because if you get a pregame warm-up problem, you've got to be able to pull him out. You've got to be able to put in a wide receiver, a backup, running back, whatever. You know, the same goes for your wide receivers is if they get hurt pregame, you've got to be able to sub in some kind of running back or a tight end. I I did that myself. I subbed in a tight end into my flex spot early in the season because that's just where I was at. That's what had to happen, and I survived. It was okay. And also, on the same note, never, ever, ever, ever put a Thursday night player in your flex. That is just asking to have injury problems show up on your roster, and it never ends well. Like, the best you can do is not be hurt. 
Um, I think there's one last little thing we want to talk about while still on the guillotine <sighs> topic of who really won. So I'm going to introduce this. Oh, my word. So, you know, everyone knows about the uh, almost heartbreaking but heart-wrenching um, situation with DeMar Hamlin and the bills Bengals game. Yeah. Um, and this is not to overshadow that at all. Um, and we are very happy that he is healthy now. It sounds like he's moving towards uh, playing again. Yeah, he's. they've said he's going to start week one, which is incredible. You love to hear it. Like, you you do. really do. Um, just on the note with fantasy, it kind of, I, I think everyone kind of knows, kind of throughing fantasy championships. Right. Obviously, his health and safety was more important at the time. And no one at the time was concerned about this. I don't think mm-hmm. we even brought it up until uh, at least No, we later. were like, we were partway to the next week, like waivers had already run. Yeah, so it was it was like games were getting ready to start pretty much the next week before anyone really discussed like okay how do like how do we want to wrap up this league? Yeah. Um, the two people left in the league, Joe and Jack, yep. uh, they settled it between themselves. Um, honestly, I thought that uh, those players, the Bengals players that were set to play, should have just uh, taken their projected points and just added that onto their totals. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not a decision that was made between the two parties. Um, they ended up. We I, you took the points from week one and not week one, but that week we took the added. week seventeen points and we added them to week eighteen. And I at the time I had a forty point lead and I also had Jamar Chase, so I was like, "There's no way that you know." Going into the Monday night game, I was almost a lock to win. It would have taken something incredible. For me to lose but we were like you know what we want to have a little bit more fun we want to have a little bit more fantasy football in our lives before we have to to say goodbye to it for almost a full calendar year and so we said screw it we'll we'll take the difference of those 40 points we'll add it to joe's team next week and then we'll just see what happens in week 18 and week 18 <laughs> austin eckler and justin jefferson and jalen hurts just didn't play and so I was my my team was just like a skeleton crew at that point, which is really unfortunate. You know, I, I wanted to see my good I wanted to see my good dudes play. And it didn't happen. And so at the end of the day, Jack edged me out by about six points. Jack claims to be the winner of the guillotine league. I don't think it's unreasonable for him to claim that, but when you're talking about who made the best team it was me you're the winner it was me by by a long shot so to dispel any rumors did jack win kind of a little bit but did he win in spirit and did he earn it no a man almost died to give him that championship and at that point it's not worth it jack i hope you're listening to this because i want you to know that you're a selfish bitch All right, so that's going to wrap up our guillotine segment. We'll be back with a little other segment after this. Uh, something called Chopping It Up. Yes, it's sir. Gonna be, uh, it's going to be just a little more laid back, just kind of talking general football, a little bit less focus on the guillotine league, just more focus on the NFL as a whole. So mm-hmm. we'll be back with you guys. Yeah, hope to see you all there. Thank you very much. Peace. Thank you.